Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. God in heaven, on this night with these sobering scriptures, we're also sobered by your kindness and the realization of how short our lives are, especially in a year like this one. We beg of you for your word that transcends time and space to be a seed in our soil, the soil of our hearts, and grant our hearts to be fertile soil this night to hear from you. Transform us, and Lord, give us the grace not only to be welcomed by you, but to welcome you more and more deeply into our lives in the lives of those around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome. It's good to see everyone appropriately spaced, correct? Everybody's got enough space, okay? Everybody's wearing your mask, except me, of course, or face shield. Some of you have opted for a face shield tonight. Yes, I love it. That way I can see your face. See, I can see your smile. Well, wonderful to see everyone tonight. Tonight we continue with our sermon series on the book Being Christian by Rowan Williams. And tonight is the first week that we'll be talking about Eucharist. Now, you can't not hear the end of the Christian year themes and the Advent themes sneaking in a little bit early, as they always do. It's like Walmart puts out the Christmas decorations earlier and earlier, and the lectionary sneaks in these Advent themes earlier and earlier every year. Just kidding. But we can hear, as we think about the end of the world, what, what sort of pictures does that conjure up for you, the end of the world? Maybe there's a great REM song with tons of words that are sung really fast. Maybe you think of something apocalyptic or Armageddon, or, or whatever it is, especially now, in 2020, in this dystopian seeming year, uh, we're really good at coming up with all sorts of dystopian images to describe what we really want, but what we fear is around the corner. And in the face of that darkness, and in the face of that anticipatory anxiety where we're thinking, what is really around the corner? I don't know if I'm ready for it. We hear the words of Jesus in the Eucharist. And we hear the gesture and the invitation of Jesus in the Eucharist. And that is, 
He welcomes us. When we don't know what's about to happen, when we're anxious about tomorrow and what tomorrow will bring, whether it be COVID or political stuff or racial things or all, all this very real things that can give us anxiety and uncertainty, we need to. Yes, we need. I'm telling you that you need to return to the welcoming words of Jesus. So that's the first thing that we need to remember about the Eucharist or Holy Communion. Eucharist is just a Greek word or a transliteration of a Greek word that means thanksgiving. So when we come to this table, we give thanks to God. We give thanks to God for all sorts of things, for a plethora of things, for the plenitude of his mercy and of his goodness and his grace, but we give thanks especially for the broken body and the shed blood of Christ Jesus our Lord, who is the only begotten Son of God, incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became man and came to earth to rescue us, to bring us to God. He was crucified, dead, and buried under Pontius Pilate. He was raised on the third day. He ascended into heaven. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom shall have no end. If you're wondering who Jesus is, look at the Nicene Creed. That's who Jesus is. And he is the one, this second person of the Trinity, who became incarnate so that he could give his body and his blood for the life of the world. And so his, his hospitality that we see in the Gospels, everywhere we see Jesus go in the Gospels, there seems to be not necessarily a raucous party. You know, it's not like, it, but there's some fellowship. There's excitement. There's joy. Think about that family member or maybe that neighbor or that person in your life who just represented large-hearted hospitality that you knew every time you went to their home you were going to be welcomed. There might be some warm cookies waiting for you and a cold glass of milk. Jesus offers us par excellence that large-hearted hospitality. But note, think about Zacchaeus for a moment. When Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree in Jericho, what does he tell Zacchaeus? Aren't you going to have me over to your house for dinner today? So Jesus who creates this fellowship, who creates this party and this feast and this connectedness, singles us out, those who have a hard time seeing him, those who have to scaffold maybe on a sycamore tree or have to work a little harder to read the Holy Scriptures or to be at church or to wear our mask a little bit longer or to listen online. But he calls to each of us individually. And what does he do when he calls to us? He elicits from us this reciprocal hospitality. So he welcomes us to his table, but his welcome is a welcome that enables us to welcome him more deeply, more fully into our lives. And we see a parallel with the parable of the talents. Jesus has welcomed us with five talents, ten talents, 
one talent. The greatest tragedy that would send us to that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, the most broken-hearted tragedy would be if we do not welcome Jesus back with the same open arms that he gives to us. Psalm 90, written by Moses, said by God's people, calls that similar, draws similar attention to the difference between God and us. And Jesus comes to us and says, won't you invite me in? Even the book of Revelation that is littered with apocalyptic imagery is also littered with hospitality. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock to one of the churches in chapter 3. I'm knocking. Won't you have me in? And what does Jesus do when he comes into the door of our lives? He doesn't teach us or lecture us. Sure, there's teaching. Sure, there's lecture. But what does he do with us? He eats with us. Look at the risen Christ in all the resurrection accounts. When Jesus goes to his disciples who had become the apostles, what does he do with them? Yes, he teaches them. Luke 24, one of my favorite passages. Woo, I get excited thinking about it. How Jesus says he teaches them that everything written in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, the Old Testament, is meant to be seen through the lens of him, his death, his resurrection. But what begins this, this greatest Bible study ever told? <laughs> A meal. Don't you have something to eat? For me. So when Jesus welcomes us, he is inviting us to welcome him. Do you hear that? Do you understand it? Now more than ever in 2020. <laughs> I hope 2021 is better, don't you? I mean, what if, what if just on January 1, 12.01 a.m., we're just all feeling great, you know, and it's like, man, it's a new year. It's a new day. But guys, if we can't seek him in the valley of the shadow of death, we will so quickly and easily forget him when we don't need him. Let us see the gift in this deep moment of need. So Jesus, by his welcome, makes us capable of welcoming him. But more than that, he makes us capable of welcoming others. That's what I love about St. Bart's. This is a people. We are a people who welcome other people, period. No qualifications, no hashtags needed, no signs to explain it all. We welcome everyone because we have been welcomed by God in his presence to behold him and to become more like him. We are a beautiful people because God is a beautiful God and because the Eucharist teaches us this. He welcomes us. We welcome him into our lives. We welcome others. Hmm. When we experience his welcome, when we experience welcoming him, we're freed up 
Did you notice what, what the deal was with the third servant? What's the deal with the third servant? He was, what was the word? Afraid. Master, I was afraid. I knew you to be a wicked and harsh, servant, harsh master who gathers where he does not sow, etc., etc. That fear kept him from knowing the master. We need to be freed up to know God, to welcome others into his presence, and to welcome him into our lives more deeply. And think about in this meal, what do we do with the bread and the wine? We eat. We literally welcome Christ into our bodies. We take him into our bodies. And he becomes incorporate, part of us in the mystery of this bread and wine made the body and blood of Christ. That's why it's called a sacrament or a mystery. And God is the one who gives the sacrament. God is the one who gives this spiritual food, this heavenly food for us on this earthly journey. So we've heard the word of welcome, and now we look at God as the giver. So Jesus takes bread and wine. He institutes the Lord's Supper on what we call Maundy Thursday, or the night before he was handed over to suffering death, which was Good Friday. So on Maundy Thursday, Jesus takes bread and wine. And what does he tell his disciples? It's the same thing, Chris, and the same thing I say to you every week when we celebrate the Eucharist or Holy Communion. Jesus says, this is my body, broken for you. And we know that Jesus is telling his disciples more than this bread is my body. He's saying, you're about to see something you never would have imagined in the cross. This bread that I'm breaking with you and giving to you is my broken body given for the life of the world. This cup of blessing, this cup of wine is my blood which is shed for you. In less than 24 hours, he will have his body broken he will give himself up to have his body broken and his blood shed. And so Jesus connects the darkest moment in the history of humankind, his crucifixion, with this word, thanksgiving. Think about that for a moment. He gives thanks to God. Remember that? He takes it. He blesses it or gives thanks. He breaks it and he gives it to them. So he takes this darkest moment of his crucifixion, but what St. John calls his glorification on the cross, and he connects it with thanksgiving. He connects it to God's purposes. In this moment of Eucharist, of thanksgiving, we have the gift, not only of Christ's body and blood shed for us for our salvation. Not only of the bread and the wine given to us for our nourishment. But we also have the gift of seeing all of creation as a sacrament. All of creation as a place of meeting with God 
through the mysterious working of his grace. Think about that for a moment. If Christ can take the darkest moment in history, Williams says, and with thanksgiving connect it to God, we, by thanksgiving, can take the world around us and the people around us and the opportunities around us, and instead of exploiting them and using them for everything that we can, we can celebrate them as gift. You know how I love a good tree. We can see a tree as a gift of God, as a sacrament of God. And there's a great old prayer that the Eastern Church, the Orthodox, pray, Orthodox Church prays, and it says this. It's a prayer to the Holy Spirit. Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, present in all places, filling all things. Let's stop there with that, with, in that moment. In Christ, the Holy Trinity is, is connected to all of creation. That doesn't mean we worship creation as God. That tree is not God. But that tree is given its meaning by the cross, the ultimate tree, the tree of life. And so we can see in every tree, in the wood of every tree, the tree of life that Christ is giving his life for us. And we can see creation not as something to be exploited, but something to be cared for, something to welcome, something to receive, something that we as the church can steward and manage well. So not only do we have the gift of seeing creation as infused by God and his goodness, but we also have the gift of seeing things from God's perspective. Doesn't mean that we're God, but if we will humble ourselves and receive the gift of Christ, if we will welcome him, then we can see others as God would see them. When we think about Jesus' commandment in the Sermon on the Mount to love our enemies as ourselves, that means we have to see our enemies as God sees them. Our culture is so good at building layer upon layer upon layer of dependence on it. And that's why this moment is such an opportunity for us to slowly pull away layer by layer by layer of the narratives, of the scripts, of the, the implicit commandments that our culture gives us. Well, you got to. You gotta have this to be happy. You gotta live this way to be fulfilled. And you gotta do X, Y, and Z to live this way to be fulfilled. And when we slowly say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, we say, stop. And we live in the freedom of the children of God, we can see by God's grace as God sees. We don't have to exploit. We don't have to game the system. It's not a zero-sum game. There's enough for everyone in God's kingdom. And that's what Eucharist teaches us. So when you come to the table tonight, remember that you've been welcomed. We come as baptized people. Remember, if you're baptized, you go where Jesus is, and this is where Jesus is. You go as welcomed people, and you welcome Christ more deeply into your lives. And as you do that, you can go out and welcome others into the fellowship of God. And you can do so 
as seeing as that God has given us all. He's given us this creation, all of our friends, our family, our resources, not as something to be exploited, but as a gift to be treasured and enjoyed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.